You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. Everyone's so related to him, and I think that's why people loved him, is that he was so truthful and so brought those people alive that you just wanted to laugh with him and hug him. Rain Pryor, daughter of Richard Pryor. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. The late Richard Pryor was a hugely talented comedian and a brilliant performer, but by his own admission, a failure as a father. His daughter, Rain Pryor, might disagree. In 2006, she wrote a memoir, a sympathetic portrait of her father, failings and all. So here now, from November 2006, Rain Pryor. There's been so much that has been written, not just in the tabloids, but by authors of books that just... Sometimes they mean to, maybe they don't. They just get it wrong sometimes. I think they get it wrong a lot of the time, I mean, from what I've read. And it's funny. It's like even even a book that my, my dad sort of – it was the uh, prior convictions book. He didn't really write it, so it wasn't even in his voice and his vernacular and had his feel to it. I mean, there was – and there were some things even in that that I felt – uh, you could have gotten it you know, a little bit better. Sometimes it takes somebody else to be able to see what's really going on in your life. Well, I also think it takes, you know, the, the most perspective, like I look at it, the kids have the best perspective of the man they grew up with, you know, and especially the older ones. We really did spend a lot of time with him. So I think we have a different perception of what it was like to be his daughter and to see him in his fame as well. This is necessarily then a book not just about you but about him about your mother about the the your 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 half siblings the other wives there's a lot of people that this book is about absolutely absolutely a lot of people that the book is about and i think that's the way it needed to be balanced and rather than just tell like you know a tell-all celebrity book which i didn't want to do i really wanted to be able to tell a story about a love for a father and the fact that he happens to be richard Pryor and what that was like and dealing with my mom and dealing with racism and dealing with brothers and sisters that had different mothers, you know, and, and go through that. You mentioned a moment ago the particular vernacular that uh, you, you have a, a unique vernacular that maybe most kids wouldn't be growing up with. I mean, there's the book is very frankly written, and I'm thinking, well, I, I say that only because there might be some people who think, all right, she's Richard Pryor's daughter, so she's saying these things to shock us, but that's not what your intent was. Not at all. I think I'm telling you the things that actually happened. I mean, nothing in there is for shock value, that's for sure. I mean, I, I just i am not that kind of person anyway. I think I'm telling you the way it was told to me and to set the scene so you understand what it was like. I mean, I think... To, to write a book, especially about growing up with Richard Pryor, you sort of have to live in that space with me for a moment, you know, otherwise, otherwise it, it, it sounds like I'm removed from it, you know, not truthful, so. Well, you mentioned at one point that it was about the time, I guess, you were entering kindergarten, that you began to feel maybe your life would turn out kind of normal after all. Well, yeah, a little bit, because all of a sudden now I had a mom and a dad. Do you know what I mean? And it sort of fit the picture of, of sort of what you see around you when you were going to school at that time. You know, but but again, it was just like, you know, mostly in my head because still, you know, every every parent was like, you know, you either had white or you had black. You didn't have mixed parents, you know, and your mom didn't think she was a black militant like my mom did, you know, and, and, you know, and your dad, your dad wasn't the most famous person that everybody, you know, everyone's parents is like, oh, oh we love your dad. And you're like, 
You do? Why? (laughs) It's your daddy, too. (laughs) This is where your book becomes very poignant because you you use the line in there somewhere about, and I'm paraphrasing you poorly, that you would love him better if you didn't know him. Right. But I, but I think that, I, I think that at times it's true. I mean, I, I even wrote him a letter that's in my book when I was really angry at him one time saying, if she really knew who you were, nobody would love you. And, and I think, you know, that's, that's the truth of when you grow up like that and you have that kind of angst, you know, that I think people know people on the surface and especially celebrity, you know them on the surface, but what about what goes on underneath? You don't really get to see that ever. You know, it's like when people fall in love with, you know, a Tom Cruise or a Jude Law, what they're falling in love with is the persona that was created about them, not the person. Yeah. It's a a unique kind of parent-child love because you see him for who he is and you love him anyway. Absolutely. And I think that's that's also the healthier choice. I mean, I think we spend a lot of time, you know, especially as kids or even grown adults, you know, wanting to change our parents and make them behave the way we want them to behave. And I think there comes a point where you realize they're just not – either they can't change or you have to be willing to let go and forgive them, you know, and love them anyway. And it's like, I think that's what I chose to do rather than drive myself crazy. Now, is this a book that your mother would rather you not have written? Of course it is. Of course it's a book my mother would have not. You know, my mom, my mom has a very private life and, and she likes it that way, you know, and she even changed her last name so she wouldn't have to be associated with Richard Pryor. And here it is, her daughter, you know, is writing this book and she's in it. And it's, it is, it's very overwhelming. But at the same time, she's also like, well, if you didn't, someone else would, you know, but I, I think it's difficult anyway, it, even though. Because it was difficult for me to write about her, to write even about my dad, to write about stuff that went on. I think that it, in itself is just, you know, it's hard to do. So. And I think the book is, is, is written in a way that, it, that nothing I wrote was in a way to hurt someone or to slander someone or to, you know, have them have to retreat back. I think it was, it's actually a, a real book about love and understanding that, you know, yeah, they were, there were times when they were really crazy and out of control. You know, but I think they raised, to me, I think I'm pretty great. And I think they raised a really great kid out of that nuttiness. You know, they did their best. And, you know, just like I think my grandparents, you know, come off well, although they struggled at the beginning with me. And, you know, I, I think it all works out in the end, you know. Your book may contain, I think, the most honest, the most straightforward, the most here it is, make what, of, of it what you will account of your father's suicide attempt. Absolutely. And I think it's really important. You know, a lot of people didn't know. They think it's an accident. I mean, we all thought it was an accident. And I remember him being on stage talking about it was milk and cookies. But then I also realized, you know, here I am 12 years old and he's telling me, you know, uh, that he tried to attempt suicide and kill himself because he was in so much pain and the heaviness of that that you carry on with you. After the short break, Rain Pryor wonders whether her father may have had an undiagnosed disorder. Start your day with Now I've Heard Everything. We post new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 5 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Subscribe now so you'll have something fresh to listen to and get your day going. Now back to my 2006 conversation with Rain Pryor. Are you better able to understand what he was going through now than you did then? Oh, completely. I think, uh, hopefully, I mean, you, you know, as I, as I grow up and I understand him as a man and, and realize where he came from and the struggles he went through and also watching his surroundings. But, you know, I talk in, even in the book, I mentioned the fact that maybe my dad was bipolar as well because watching his moods and watching what he was, he had to go through at the time, 
I can understand him wanting to take his own life and, and wanting to end it. But as you point out, and again, we have to keep things in perspective. Not only was he at his career peak at that point, but he had just lost Mama. Absolutely. He just lost the the love of his life, which was his grandmother who raised him, Mama. And, and the one person, you know, other than I think myself that could tell him, you know, you're messing up or this is what's wrong. Why are you doing this? And he really had a lot of uh, belief and a lot of faith that mama always sort of somehow pulled him through even though you know at times he even tells it in one of his acts about doing drugs and mama finding the drugs and throwing them out and then trying to go get them when she realized how much they cost you know that was sort of like you know how mama was but but it was a big influence on his life and so to lose her was was devastating and money and things don't fix that that doesn't fix that kind of pain you know i do remember from one of his stand-up routines that he did this absolutely pitch perfect impression of like a six-year-old being caught having broken a vase or something like that did he get that from just observing you and your siblings yes he definitely got that from me and my siblings yes because i and it and i was that child that was my incident and yes because i always like well it wasn't really me but it was me but you know you mean you mean the, the the famous one where the punchline to his yes. gag is that was broke before I was even born? <laughs> no, I think the punchline definitely was his, but you know. <laughs> but it was just, and you look at his face when he's doing that those lines, and you're thinking, this is a six year old's face. I'm saying he was just totally plastic in his ability genius to be anybody. Mimic. Genius mimic, genius mimic, and that's the beauty of, you know, of the work that he did is that he was able to really embrace people and bring them alive on the stage and. You know, that's what sets him, he's, it's funny, he's not your traditional, people refer to him as a stand-up comic, and he's not even your traditional stand-up, he's a storyteller, but everyone's so related to him, and I think that's why people loved him, is that he was so truthful and so brought those people alive, that you just wanted to laugh with him and hug him, you know? <laughs> that comes back to what you said a moment ago, that that's the persona that people fell in love with. Absolutely. But but it is and it isn't. You know, there's there when he would get dark, you know, it's it's like recently, which is funny, like doing a lot of the, the book touring stuff. A lot of people have all these old clips and some of them are really dark where my dad is his dark and it's kind of yucky. And you're like and I sit there and go, yeah, that was that was him. That was him on that side. And and then there was out of that people laugh and the humor because they either laugh because they're uncomfortable but he knew how to sort of play that you know he was very good at making me uncomfortable but laugh at the same time (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) now this is this is your first book is it not yes it is my very first book but you're not a first-time writer i mean you've you've uh, I created my solo show that I wrote myself, Fried Chicken and Latkes, which won an award. It was nominated, actually, for a script, um, which was amazing. But, lo- you know, it's like I look at this. It lost out to the to the woman who wrote Top Dog, Underdog. So, come on. You know, it's like, I'm okay with that because she's amazing, you know. But, yeah, this is the first book, you know, that I've ever really written. Uh, you, you included a couple of uh, some lines from Fried Chicken Lockers near the back of this book. Did I happen to see in some of those lines some of the experiences you had when you were a little girl? Oh, most definitely. definitely. I mean, like almost word for word, some of the scenes. Yeah, yes, you did. <laughs> so this is, but 
you have apparently his the ability that he had to be able to turn whatever has happened to you in your life into material. Yes, it's funny, but it's also poignant, and it hits home, and it touches us. You've you've apparently inherited that. I, I you know, I think I, I I thank you, and I also think it's true. I have inherited that because one of the things, even with him and my mom. It was always about truth. You had to be truthful. And you also had to write what you know instead of trying to make it up at first. You know, it's like that comes later on, you know, but it really was about write what you know and stay truthful. And out of that, it's like when I wrote my solo show, I thought I was seriously writing a dramatic piece of solo theater. And I did it, and people fell out hysterically laughing. I'm like, you're laughing at my pain? It's that funny? I'm like thinking I'm being serious here. And I realized I had a comedy show. (laughs) You know? And I'm like, well, I thought this was heavy stuff, you know? Did that hurt your feelings initially? No. I just, I realized it's funny. I realized I had, that was the gift of my parents gave me, was to write my truth. And for some reason people you know what I mean people are gonna laugh at it you know and it it was actually relaxing because it was like oh so maybe it's not as bad it's bad but it's not bad you know will people just look at this and say all right it's different from the childhood I had but you know what It, it it you turned like you said a moment you turned out okay you know I think the response has been that you know it's it's definitely different than the childhood I think people also have been relating to it and, and that's what I really love. People are inspired by it. I had a woman write me an email saying she read my book and she, and she was in tears and now she wanted to, she's going to send her, her dad a copy of the book so maybe they can have a dialogue and talk to one another. And I just thought that's what, you know what I mean? I think we all have that in our families. We have some level of dysfunction and if you can relate to it, then you have a good book as opposed to just writing about a celebrity and saying, well, he did this and this and this and this and this. You know, I, I, for me, that would be kind of dull. And I thought it would be more interesting to t- sort of really tell the story about the relationships. And now you're working very hard against MS. Very hard. Very hard with MS and fighting for a cure and work a lot with the National MS Society and, and trying to even take that to different levels. I, I do a lot of work to raise money for research because I'm very involved and I want to find a cure. You know, I really want to help people, not just my, obviously, not just when my father was going through it, but the people I meet now that have MS, I mean, I'm starting to meet children with MS and how important that is to me that we do something. You know, it's, it's definitely a mission of mine. And if celebrity is what it takes to put a face on something like that, then that's what I want to, you know, do. Why not? Rain Pryor is 54 now and is still active as an actress, comedian, and singer. Now, you can get a copy of Jokes My Father Never Taught Me by Rain Pryor by tapping on the link in our show notes or by going to our website, heardeverything.com. We may earn an Amazon commission if you make a purchase. Heardeverything.com is where you'll also find my 1994 interview with the brother of another well-known comedian who died too soon, Sam Kinison, my interview with his brother, Bill Kinison. Sam never, ever wrote a routine. He never sat down and wrote a routine. Everything he did was either his viewpoints, which many times were politically incorrect, or was his life experiences. And my 1990 conversation with John Belushi's widow, Judith Belushi. I think most people who think of John, they don't even think of him as married. When I would be buying something with a credit card or whatever, they'd always they'd go, oh, are you John Belushi's sister? I kept thinking, why did I think that? But I think it's because that's just... They don't, that's just the first thought they'd have. I was clearly not his mother. And of course, as you know, we post new episodes of Now We've Heard Everything here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts. And thank you so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, she was related by marriage to one of the world's most notorious 
Terror Masterminds, my 2004 conversation with the former sister-in-law of Osama bin Laden, Carmen bin Laden. You know, it's, it's not easy to, to have uh, Western value, to have been brought up with Western value and to have the name associated with uh, terror and destruction. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. <laughs>